I'm your host, Josh Allen, and welcome to episode two of Still Rolling. That's right, we made it into our second week. Hooray for us. This is the podcast that delivers everything and nothing in equal measures and continues to do so. You'll get a bit of film industry chat peppered in amongst anecdotes from seasoned professionals and some folks that are just finding their feet in the industry. Some unsung heroes, we get to hear from people that are on set in different capacities. You name it, we're going to try and get them on the show. In this episode, we get to meet another friend of mine, Stefan Benini. I really do feel lucky to know this man, honestly. He's been as much of a mentor to me as an inspiration throughout my entire career. I owe him a great deal. You guys are super lucky too, as he gets into how he works, how he gets the shot that no one else can, but ultimately, how you guys can practice your filming to keep the dream alive. He also lets us know how getting punched in the face can make you a better person. He's a great dude, so welcome, Stefan. We are joined with none other than Stefan Benini. Stefan? Hello. The wonderful man. And um, Stefan is a prolific director in his own right. He has traveled the world making films and certainly ticks the boxes of being an unorthodox filmmaker in many regards. Um, The things that we, well, we'll get into the things that we have worked on over the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years we've known each other now? Mm, Yes, 10 years, I think, back from the drifting days in UK. Absolutely. So we'll get over... We'll talk about some of the things that we've worked on, um, but more importantly, some of the things we'll look at talking about are how your interests and things, you know, your hobbies can impact your motivation, the things that you're interested in in filming. And I know that Stefan personally has a lot of things to talk about in this regard. So we'll start off with a few things. Stefan, how are you doing? First of all, let's take it nice and nice and easy. Let's ease ourselves into this one this week. I'm good. I'm seriously good, Josh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the situation actually uh, is quite complicated everywhere, but I'm good. Okay. My family is good, so I'm fine. Seriously. So I'm fine. I'm very positive about everything. Excellent news. Always good to hear about positivity. How have you been keeping yourself busy? What have you been up to? Uh, doing some sports, boxing, uh, trying to be a little bit creative. So editing, writing. And I'm uh, trying to find new ways of creating because we miss footage to create new films. Okay, so we have to think of, uh, I try to think of how to be creative. So, for example, last week I asked to um, a lot of dancers around the world, about um, 100 dancers around, um, around the world, to send me their footage. Uh, they will film by phone. Yep. Everything has to be shot by phone, and I will edit on my phone. And it has to be a process very quick, very easy. You send me the footage, I edit, and it has to be very positive. That's the kind of way trying to be creative and give everyone uh, like a positive vibes. That's it. There's nothing wrong with that. I also must remind ourselves that we have an audience. So we've got listeners and people watching on, uh, on YouTube as well. So if anyone's watching this and have any questions for myself or Stefan here, please do feel free to go on the comments and talk to us. Um, we're more than happy to answer any questions you have. So if there's anything we're talking about, whether it be Stefan's stories on my own, if you want to get to know us a bit better, feel free to, to interact and we'll get around to answering people's questions once we've answered a bit more about of what we get into. Well, certainly, Stefan, for the start, that's interesting to see that you've got this um, interesting project. So how did let's start with your network of these people, that you, the dancers that you're talking about? You just mentioned that, obviously, you've done this project where you've recruited different clips from around the world. How do you know these people? Where have you found them? 
Um, actually, it's we start. I start filming dancing back in uh, 2015, but it's part of art of motion. You know, it's yeah. like parkour, dancing, sports, boxing. It's moving, filming. And uh, the thing was, I was filming in New York with a waffle crew, uh, quite famous crew dancing in the underground, and they tried to be very positive. Uh, it was a beautiful experience for a music video. And um, I quite uh, just after that, I discussed with uh, some Japanese friends and uh, told me I could uh, listen. There is a lot of live dancers in France. You don't have to go to New York. Okay, let's meet the French guys. And that's it, I meet the French guys. And the French guys told me, you, you, you go sometimes in Japan, so why don't you film them? Yeah. So that's it. And it's, it's in, yeah, in five years, I filmed a little bit everywhere in, from Brazil, dancing, okay? From Brazil to New York, to Tokyo, to Argentina. And I always, 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 it's um, a human story, beautiful and very, very positive. I love how easily you brush this off. Like, the thing that's fascinating me about you and, I mean, this story does go back a long way and we'll get into this, but, I, you know, you've been, a, without, you know, kissing your butt too much, <laughs> you know, you've been a big inspiration <laughs> to me throughout my whole career. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that you always seem to find these like pockets of culture wherever you go that I would never even, I, I've been to some of the places you've been to and I've never even experienced or even witnessed some of these things. Now, and I'll speak from my own experience that I, you know, I get to go, I'm very lucky that I get to go around the world. Obviously that's a bit different right now, but I get to go to a lot of different places and I do my best to make sure that I have days either side of work to explore, you know, because that's what this world is about. You know, what good is it going? I mean, I'm, I cite one example. I went to Istanbul and we flew in for a race. We flew in the Friday morning. We filmed the Saturday, Sunday, and then we go home Monday. We don't see any of the city. We only see a racetrack and the racetrack looks the same as any other racetrack. And I personally, you know, taking a leaf from your book there, I wanted to make sure that, you know, I could go and see other things that were going on. But I'm always amazed by the fact that you're able to find these pockets of culture. I mean, New York, for one, I've seen some of the footage for that. We'll, we will get to some of the examples, so you guys will get to see a bit of the footage. Um, but New York, for one, how did you even find these people? How do you go about doing that when you get there? It's one thing having the camera and running the, around, but how do you get there? The, the guy from New York, back in the days, uh, actually, I... I've read, uh, I've seen some pictures. First, I've seen some beautiful pictures of uh, dancers dancing in the subway in New York. And um, they were struggle because they dance in the subway and um, they try to give a very positive mood to everyone. And they were arrested by the police. And actually, yeah. Why? Because it's forbidden. Right. Yeah, you, you, can, you can dance in the subway uh, in New York. So they were arrested. Now? Like you can't do it now, or you couldn't do it. Is that five, five, five years ago? Okay, I, I was very, very interesting. Not, not. It was not the dancing. What yeah. was very interesting is the fact that they try to be positive, spread good vibes. Okay, and each time, each time, each time, they were arrested by the police, but they keep going, keep going, and keep going. So I try. I, I think, and I, I found their contact on Instagram. 
Okay, guys, I, I've read your story. I think it, it's, uh, it's quite amazing. Okay. Um, do you need help? Yes. So I contact friends uh, who did some music. Okay, I have a, a cool idea for a music video. And that's it. And we, I mix everything. I take a flight, go to New York, pass some right. time with them. And it was crazy. Seriously, it was crazy because... I didn't plan anything, you know, I just uh, knew uh, where I wanted to, to go. So, but there were, imagine a bunch, 10 guys from 17 to 19. Mm -hmm. They were full of energy, dancing, dancing, dancing. And it, it was seriously crazy, but they gave me so much energy, you know, uh, on the camera and uh, it was beautiful. and. It works very well. It works very, very well. I feel like this probably is a good time to actually get Jake. Jake's actually looking after us here in the, in the behind the scenes. Um, you've got some of your, your dancing film work that you've got lined up here, right? Let's see if we can get this to work out for us. So which, see if which get... clip is it? Let's go for Level Up. I yeah. mean, it's, not, it's not the New York clip. But it, please yeah, introduce the clip. Go ahead. Everybody put a lot of names. Stefan, if you go for introducing the clip. And, um, What's Level Up? So Level Up is a documentary about the life fit um, history and community from New York to Japan. Yeah. I filmed this documentary for five years. And uh, what interests me in this culture is, you know, hip-hop, you know, cramp, you know, yeah, 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 some cool dance, but you don't know life fit, okay? Life fit dancers... And it's, they are very positive, and it comes from hip-hop culture, okay? Right. So I, I was very, very, very interested to show to the world the Lightfeet community, and that's it. So I've done a, a small documentary um, and spread the word in a film festival a little yeah. bit all over the world and see uh, how it goes, and it goes very well. I mean, when, this one was pretty successful for you as well, right? Yeah, crazy. Seriously, crazy. Um, oh, I've got too many questions about this stuff because it just is visually fascinating to me, even more so the fact that, you know, you just find your locations and I know how hard it is to find locations. It's not as simple as just like opening your front door of your hotel room and just like, oh, cool, I'll just shoot here. You know, I find that, you know, fascinating and I'm intrigued to know your process of finding these locations. You know, is that part of the conversation you have with the people you're working with or is it you do a lot of research before you get to these locations? Or? Uh, uh, I've done a series of dance video called Soul, Soul of, Soul of Paris, Soul of Tokyo, Soul of uh, Buenos Aires, yep. Soul of New York, Soul of LA. And uh, the thing is, as discussed uh, with dancers about iconic places and less touristic places, places with a soul, seriously, something very important for them. Yep. And there is always a work for me to prep, check a little bit. And after that, you go with the flow. You follow these guys, Mm -hmm. And sometimes, okay, uh, I stop and say, okay, we have to film here, we have to film here. I've done that two or three times in, in, um, in Japan, and um, quite the same in Macau. You, there is, it's Macau, Tokyo, New York, it's easy to find beautiful places, you, you understand? And, uh, but you have to find strong visual and a place that has a soul for them, a, a meaning for them, that's very, very important. So it's much more, fill, fill your, follow your instincts. Seriously, follow. It's not like working on commercial where you need to prep everything. Mm -hmm. for, for that kind of video, 
um, it's done with your heart. So, and they give you so much. So you follow them and follow your instincts. I mean, how much about that is just, you mentioned that the commercial workflow is quite different in that regard. And I completely understand what you're saying, but certainly for some of our listeners and our viewers out there, they're not necessarily going to understand the difference in the procedures there. Because for me, and this is one of the reasons why you resonate with me as a person, you know, I can understand this. I relate to this. I empathize with this. I totally understand the procedure of going out and filming and, and getting what's available, especially when you have such amazing, talented individuals to work with. You know, I understand when you talk about it, it sounds so easy and you do make it sound so easy, but I know there's a lot of people out there that are not necessarily finding this inspiration so forthcoming, you know, not necessarily the easiest thing to find in many regards. And that's always been one of the things that's, you know, definitely fascinated me about you. And I'm very grateful that you put these films out there so we can actually uh, to see these things, you know, and I guess that's, you know, the beauty of filmmaking, but you definitely play that side of it down the different sides of the work, like commercial work versus this kind of work. Um, it's an interesting conversation for me just generally because there's so many different things that sort of blur the lines between these kind of work. Mm. You know, undoubtedly the people that employ you for commercials, they watch this work and they go, Stefan, I want that, you know, I want what you've got there. But they just do not understand the soul, the heart that comes from these individuals and they try and find these kind of people and you can't pick up the phone and call them, be like, oh, by the way, I want to put you in this commercial. It just doesn't work like that. So I guess a question for me in that regard is how do you go about capturing that soul and the essence of your films and your style in what you do commercially? Because ultimately you have a career at this. Very lucky as myself yeah. to have a career in this. Uh, the, the, the key is there is no difference, Josh. There is no difference in terms of... Uh, I would say filming and uh, bringing you work on a stage. Uh, if a client, an agency or producer uh, call you because they liked your personal work to put that on a commercial work, okay? You have to, res you have to explain and respect that. Um, and you have to clearly explain that the way I worked on this documentary or this video is like this, like this, like this. I put uh, there, there was no, no big crew. It was quite easy to shoot. And always, um, I always run like a run and gun Komodo guerrilla style. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. the energy and the soul is, is exactly the same. You know, if you, you find are yourself setting bigger productions in that regard, because <laughs> I mean, as I'm sure you know, sometimes you want to use bigger cameras, better lenses, all these things. And then suddenly there's a lot more people involved and there's a lot more stuff going on. How do you deal with that? It's, it's quite easy. Or it's quite easy if you think about it. You have to work with a clever DOP. Right. You have, you have to uh, work uh, with a producer who trusts you and you have to explain the way you work to the clients. Because if you stay like uh, some, some directors stay on their chair with a combo and they can stay some few hours like this, okay? Yeah, yeah. You know, we don't work like this. I don't work at all like this. I mean, this is, this is news to the audience, but certainly, you know. Yeah, I, I explain. When you prep, when you do your PPM preparation meeting, okay, yeah. before commercial, you discuss and you explain the way I work. Sometimes, some people always in a meeting, they say, what? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, like like uh, when you, you explain the way you work on a film festival, they, uh, they don't understand, especially in US. Um, and when everyone has understand the way you work, it's super easy. But and you, and you don't compromise, no? No compromise. The thing is, there is a key. When when you need, I don't know, two or three big cameras, your Alexa or big uh, red setup, okay? I always shoot, I always have my camera with me, okay? And um, I asked to the DOP, okay, to, to, to have the, his camera on the combo for the client. And I would film. And he knows the camera, Small camera, yeah. You always, you're, you're sitting with something small, handheld, yeah. that you can get in amongst it. Definitely. Even if we are on a, on a TVC commercial uh, with, a, I don't know, big camera and a two, three camera, I always have a small camera with me. You know? And you don't like the director's viewfinder? So, you, like, this is what's kind of interesting, I guess, becomes a bit more of a topic in this regard, become for the audience, certainly, in understanding this, is that, you know, part of that job is for you to come up with the shot, for sure, right? So... We, you and I, we know that the shot sometimes is found in the moments where you don't have time to explain. You know, sometimes it's that moment that you capture and you see something unfolding and something happening. And yeah. in the time it takes to explain that to someone else, it's already gone. And I get that. You get that. But it's, it's interesting to see how it's, it breaks convention. You know, it's not necessarily the normal way of working. And certainly when it comes to bigger sets where there's more, you know, inevitably more money or more at stake and all these things come into it. Much better to be able to explain that to a director of photography and, and, and help everybody help you get that vision. And, I, you know, that's something that's become intriguing to me because I've always resisted that kind of working. I've always favored the kind of working you have. But I also find myself having to, you know, discover ways of getting the shot in a different way that's more collaborative because I learned as people will now begin to learn about our kind of setups. We learned by doing. When it came to picking up the camera, learning how to edit, all those sorts of things, getting the you know, films together, it was all learned by doing rather than going to film school and doing conventional ways or doing apprenticeship, all these kind of things. That no doubt would have benefited us, but in so many ways would have benefited and taken away different elements to our styles, who we are as individuals. And it's the thing ultimately that, makes us who we are, you know, makes the films what they are. So I do find that particularly interesting. But I think that the prep is everything, you know, in commercial. The, th the thing is, uh, more you have prep, more you have a good preparation with your crew. Yeah. Explain honestly everything to the client, to the agency, to your producer. Yeah. I always work like that. You arrive on a set, everything is... You are every shot on storyboard, everything is clear, and it's, it flows. Do you find that process um, inhibits creativity sometimes, having too much in your brain? Like everything is planned so specifically. Like I, me personally, I sometimes find that finding that shot isn't always in the pre-production. I do my best, obviously, because we have to. We're still, you know, we're still being paid to do a job. In, in most cases, obviously, we have our personal projects and the films that we work on outside of what those paid commercial jobs might be. But I do find that sometimes, you know, 
I guess that's the question, isn't it? How do you how do you find the extra like ten percent of creativity that isn't storyboarded and isn't? Do you have time in your day for that? Do you make sure you have time in the shoot? It's not it's not ten percent of creativity. It's uh, once everything is prepped. Yeah, you know, on a shoot, you you can control everything. There will be something going out, a mistake. It's part of the job, okay? But you can prepare everything. And you have the option A, which is the film you, sh- you shoot for the client, okay? And you have the option B and C and D. So there is no 10, for me, there is no 10% of creativity. There is 50, 50, um, 50%, 50%. It means you have, you, you, we work together. I work on a set very, very fast, very quick. Boom, 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 okay? It's when you have a team who understand and you are used to work like this, it's super easy, okay? It's super, so you, you, you work very fast and that's the way I work sometimes. Um, you, you think you need 10 hours to do all the shots you need in a day. And like the, the film I did with uh, Sebastian Loeb for SFM in France. Yeah. Uh, we we had um, an event like the film we did for Lewis Hamilton uh, with um, for L'Oréal. We had a, one or two days of shooting. We have maybe three three different films to shoot. Okay, and uh, you have to find a way to not ten hours of shooting, but maybe six. And in six hours, you have everything. And the client is okay. You 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 yeah. you have the shot. So you the the last four hours. You do extra things, and you you go wild. You know, you go wild. <laughs> I remember you telling me this statement: "Go wild before, just get what you want to get." Yeah, and it's quite funny because the first time I worked with you, and I mean this all sincerely, I was quite intimidated. I was like, when you said "get what you want," I honestly didn't realize you meant get what I wanted, not what I thought you wanted me to get. And it's quite interesting that collaborative process, you know. And I think that's that's quite. It's not unique to us. Because we'll get into that backstory. I mean, we'll get back into it quite shortly because I'm sure the audience is going like, how do these guys know each other? But certainly from this experience, when we first started working together, we essentially both directors, but because we both have the shooting background, you know, I wouldn't go as far to call either of us directors of photography. I, I, you know, I certainly reserve that term for people that have earned it in Hollywood to have done feature films. You know, that's a director of photography to me. But to me, you know, understanding that we have we're both directors you know mm-hmm. and when i come to work with you i was like okay i'm uh, this is stefan's film rather than bringing my own style and creativity to it which is obviously why you want me there and it's quite interesting to do that i mean it's one of the things that's made me crave working with you more so we can explore that more and it's obviously a shame we've not had a chance to do that we probably did three or four films together maybe i'm not even sure actually <laughs> The thing is, uh, it's a teamwork. You have to be united on the set. And if I choose you as DOP, or as, as a, yes, the DOP was for Yves Saint Laurent. Yeah. Is, yeah. Um, I've, work, I've watched, I know you work. I know your, your feelings. I know the, the way you film. I like it. And I think you can add something to the film. So... You know exactly. I know exactly how you work. What is what kind of footage you can provide? So once we've done all the shots we need to do, have fun. And 
it's always the same time. When you edit, you edit exactly what has been written on the storyboard, okay? Just to, to show the clients and the agencies that you can, you can, you, you've done a, a good job. Yeah, yeah. And there is so much extra shots. And for the, exactly, so for the YSL, that was exactly the, the thing. We've done so many shots. And I think, yeah, I remember that one or two times I told you, Josh, do your thing. It's so funny to be told that. And I didn't even know what you meant. I was so like focused on doing a good job for you that I was like, uh, uh, yeah, 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 I'll just do my thing. I, I, I remember that. I, I don't remember you were intimidated. I, I remember that uh, you were focused. You had, you had your red camera. Okay. I remember back in the days, I had an A7S2. And yeah, yeah I know that. The, they were looking at me that why he has such a small camera in his hand, okay? And finally, I just asked you, do you sing with your sensibility? Yeah. So, we've done the shot we need to do for the film. After that, a fun, okay? We have much more footage for the edits. And finally, finally, uh, I don't know, you know that this... Um, commercials for uh, YSL won three prizes on uh, for advertising. I, like, I just learned that actually maybe when you sent it over before, when Jake's back, we'll get him to play the clip so people can see it and I'll reveal what we're talking about. But certainly, it, yeah, I only learned that recently. What did it win? I don't even know. It, they, they won uh, two gold prizes and one uh, silver prize, like uh, best um, online com commercials. I didn't know. I, I knew that six months after, and it was quite crazy. And I was uh, very happy because the way we work was unusual on this one. Okay. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we. It My was always not a small, small company. Yeah, it was a uh, like. Um, Let's like, have a look at it. Jake's back, so we'll play it. We'll have a look at it. Cool. So, which one, the YSL one? Yeah. Yeah, YSL, please, cool. Jake. Thanks, mate. So Stefan, yeah, here we go. Opening shot, Orly Airport, and we've got the YSL branding come up. And to be fair, I didn't even, I didn't know much about this. I'll be completely honest. I got a call from Stefan. What happened first? Was it Lewis Hamilton first and then this one? Uh, I think we did this one first and just after, the, uh, maybe we did the Lewis Hamilton. And, and after said, are you free next week? <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. It was, yeah, in two weeks, we did a L'Oreal and a YSL. Yeah. And we were very, um, very lucky to work with uh, the artist Kilasson. Kilasson is an amazing artist, okay? So talented. So you can ask him two, three times to repeat, and, and it was cool. And we were lucky to work. It's a teamwork. We were lucky to work with um, uh, Flo, who was very good, very good with a steady oh. How could I forget? Of course, Flo was with us on this. Oh, this is Steadicam. He, he did a, a, such a good job. And uh, that's it. I knew Flo for a long time. you got to give us Flo's full name. You can't just leave him, leave him hanging there. What's Flo's full name? Uh, for me, it's Flo. <laughs> <laughs> Magic Flo. Mag Magic Flo. It's uh, Florian. And um, is uh, yeah, you can you can you can um, read his name in the credits of my oh, yeah, yeah. The credits are up on screen now. People can have a look. Commercial, but 
that's not the credit of the commercial. It's, in, it's, uh, uh, it's yeah, I forgot, isn't it? That's the credits for the uh, makeup artists and those yeah. people, wasn't it? Okay. So yeah, Flo was a uh, yeah, what a, what a man. He was so good to work with. To be fair, I loved the team that we had there, and I was very very grateful to work on it. But it certainly was, uh, yeah, an experience. We'll call it the deep end. It was what did we do? It was overnight as well, wasn't it? We had the airport, Paris Orly Airport, from nine p.m. to nine a.m. Was it? It was 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. And uh, we had the agency. Yeah. We had the, the client was not there. I think we had the production company, of course. Left, well. left production was there. And um, you, as DOP. No, I've got a picture over here. I'm going to grab it. There you go. There this is not set up. This is not prop. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, you have um, anyone. That's everyone. You have Kilasan. You have um. You, you've first, got to remember everyone now. <laughs> the first AD. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. You have Boris. picture for the audience that are listening. <laughs> too much people. There is Josh behind, hiding in the back somewhere. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to hide the uh, the bags under my eyes probably because I was pretty tired. But there, that was a magic moment. I really enjoyed that, mate. Um, it was a really, really good experience. Certainly a massive learning curve for me. And I think the major things that I, that I took from working with you, but not only that, being inspired by you early in the career, um, there were so many experiences that I took from that, which were simply kind of like that. You said about going wild and just doing your thing, just experiencing the shoot rather than thinking too much about what the lens is doing, what the camera is doing, where the light is, all those things. Those things are important, of course, because they are what gets you the image. But ultimately, just being able to just experience the scene through the camera and the people. And like you said earlier, the soul. Sounds quite corny to say that, but it really is the most important thing about these types of shoots, especially in this style of working. And it is unconventional in that regard. But as I'm sure people have seen from the results, that we've seen so far it has a very special result so i mean from your perspective what has there been any other experiences like that that have really stood out in your career whether they be um your favorite films or favorite things or you know maybe it's stuff that didn't go well <laughs> what from your experience has been like your most favorite moment of your career just to get some housekeeping out of the way um i hope that's the best moment are not uh, ready happened. It will happen. Good but, yeah, I had some very good, 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 good um, moments. Uh, a lot. You're going to say the desert. That was going to tee it up nicely, but you didn't. Oh no, 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 no! no. Not, 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 not only for commercials, you know. Um, okay. it's, more, it's more stories with my team, with yeah. human stories. But uh, I remember the first time I should drifting in LA for um, the Red Bull Championship, and all my friends and all the drifters I liked were there. I remember it was crazy. Seriously. It's interesting you brought that up. It's interesting it, you brought that up, because like, of course. Crazy. And it was 2008 in Los Angeles. I didn't have the good accreditation. I didn't have any, any tripod. What camera and, were you using in 2008? Um, it was um, a, a Canon. Canon HD, I don't know exactly. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and, and a 35 millimeters adapter on it. 
Yeah, so for those people that are paying attention that didn't actually witness the 35mm adapter before the Canon 5D came along, prior to fit, you know, big format cameras, large format, um, full frame cameras, you had to have this adapter on the front. And how much fun was it working with that adapter? Uh, no fun at all, because I remember it's, it's like having a bazooka on your hand. <laughs> like I said, I fly... Yeah. I fly I fly to LA without tri um, without tripod. The tripod stay in the in the car, and I knew that I have to carry this uh, seventy kilograms uh, camera everywhere like this and running around the, the the track. But yeah, it was a very good moment with the light of LA. You know, it was like being on a movie set of a yeah. film. You like, but um, I will say that um, when I filmed. When I when I filmed the commercial with um, Sebastian Loeb for uh, for a French brand, um, I was very. It was with Frederick actually, and Flo Flo were there. The thing is, we had um, two days of shooting, and um, quite stressful because we lose maybe two or three hours very easily because each time I ask Sebastian to do a, a shot. Stopped, get out of the car, take his phone, and we lose him for 30 minutes. What? Yeah, we've done that maybe four or five times, and we, 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 we lost three or four hours on the schedule. Breaking my heart here. Sebastian Loeb, I love this guy. And now it, he's disrespecting the crew here. He's super cool. It, seriously, it, but he wanted yeah. to drive. Okay, I can understand him. He, he, he wanted to drive, not to stop. We move the camera. So I, I asked to have a small meeting with uh, the client agencies and the agency and the producer. I told them, okay, if we keep going like this, we're fucked. We're completely fucked, okay? We, we won't have time to do the film and to have... Oh, sorry for the viewers out there for the swearing. We'll be in trouble, sorry. We'll, <laughs> we'll be in trouble. So, but... Um, I told them, okay, and uh, because they were very, they they worried that yeah. oh we can manage that. Oh, oh, Stefan, you have to talk with him. And I, no, 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 I will talk with you. What? Yeah, let me work in another way. Mm -hmm. Sebastian, okay, Sebastian, yeah, he wants to drive. Okay, he's he a racing driver. You know, he's a rally driver. He's so. a driver okay, and um, he's boring. He take his phone. He go outside. So we have to do, and maybe it's a little bit intimidating or it can be boring, you know, a lot. So what we've done, what I asked the client, trust me, agency, trust me. We, we decide with the DOP, with um, Alex, with Flo, with uh, Frederick, yeah. to post, put camera all around the track, all around the set, and each time Sebastian drive, we move, we run, we run, we run. Okay. It's, and I asked. You bullied your crew is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I discussed with Sebastian and I told him, drive, drive like L. Okay. Drive like L. And um, don't stop till I don't um, talk to you in the talking. He was surprised. What? We've done three hours of reshoot, reshoot. Oh, oh. I mean, I guess a lot of people don't necessarily get that about filmmaking when it comes to doing stuff with cars on set where it's set up. The idea of getting like one corner 
well, that might be five shots for one corner to make a cut. And it's just, yeah, as you're saying, in that regard, if you've got a racing driver who is programmed to just keep going, he doesn't like start-stop, you know, and especially to give it everything in that regard. You're not going to be in a position to go like, oh, cool, yeah, I'll just like, I'll just give it 100%, throw it through that corner, and then I'll just chill. I'll just calm down, shall I? Much better, yeah, in that regard, I suppose, you got the results, yeah? And the thing is, we should have finished the film the day after, and the film, and we finished the shooting at half past five the same day in the afternoon. And we have done every shot. Sebastian was very happy. And I had uh, one or two extra hours to play with him. And we did some crazy stuff with jump and everything. The thing is, the fact is, we, we asked, back um, the clown asked me to do three, three films that day. Okay? And we did much more footage. And the much more footage allowed us to propose to the clients uh, a new film because we, right. we have crazy things, okay? But it's a matter of trust. I knew my team, and I knew my team that we, we knew ex we knew perfectly the sets, so we could move, 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 and um, use some lens. Tac, 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 tac. It was quite easy for us, and I knew at the end of the day, the client were he, he was amazed. It's a production company too. They were they were they were, they were very surprised, and I told them, thank, thank you very much for trusting me. Thank you very much. And uh, it, it was a cool experience, yeah. Like oh, for the Lewis Hamilton and L'Oreal thing we, we did, you remember? Of course, yeah. I mean, we can see if you want, but I don't think we need to. <laughs> uh, it was very... Would you like me to explain or...? Oh, we don't necessarily need to. I mean, the reality was it's for, if the form follows the same kind of function. For me, the things I'm more interested in are not necessarily the commercial work because ultimately the things that are fascinating about that is how you manage to get your style from the things that you care about, whether they be you know, your interests or your hobbies. And you manage to find what it is that is special about them and transmit that to film. Now, I know that that's not straightforward all the time. It takes years of dedication and to build relationships with people in the thing that you're doing and you have to really care about it because it's the first thing they're going to see you know i mean you mentioned motor racing as one of the things obviously that was early days that was one of the things that drew us into the same conversation you know you made films over here at silverstone it was one of the first films i even saw i have no issue with saying that it was one of the first films going back then was silverstone was 2008 Around the same sort of time, yeah. Uh, with uh, Kumakubo and the Team Orange and Drifter. Yeah, so give the audience context there. Stefan came over to Silverstone and filmed some demonstrations of drifting and motorsport, back going sideways and that fun stuff. I saw this film and it was unlike any kind of motor racing I'd ever seen. And it's because he's actually using the uh, 35mm adapter, right? <laughs> this clunky thing. But it transformed the way things had happened because it was the first thing I saw that was digital that looked like film for, for one. And I was like, everything before that was just like very, uh, you know, wide depth of field, very, uh, you know, it just didn't have any character or any soul, like you said earlier. And you managed to pair what were incredible images of a, a visually exciting sport with a soundtrack that just made you feel something. Mm -hmm. And it, I watched it and it made me feel something. And then I was like, how do I do that? But I focused on the wrong things at the beginning, which is really funny. I was like, ah, I want it to look like that. And it's mm -hmm. so funny because I, you know, hear that same voice from the amount of people that make 
you know, may talk to us about making films and it might be that conversation. It's the wrong words. It's the wrong thing to focus on because it's not about the camera necessarily. The camera is important, but it's not only this. It's much more important to understand what's going on and what it means to the people that are doing it and why it means that to those people. So I guess it's, that's, that's always the things that are more interesting for me personally about your journey because you have a very eclectic mix of things that you've been interested in. I mean, we've touched on, obviously, breakdancing. What is the term you actually use for that? I missed it earlier. It's not just hip-hop or breakdancing or anything like that sort of stuff. It's, yeah, it's light feet dancers. About the, the documentary I did, it's da- yeah. light feet, light feet dancers. Light but feet, I, yeah. I, I've been dancing, uh, all kind of dancing, you know, but the documentary is about light feet. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So, you know, that's just one element. Um, Actually, you know what? One of my favorite pieces of your work, to get back onto it, uh, is the lowrider stuff we did in Brazil, to be fair. And I like to bring it back to this because it's so visually awesome to me. And when you told me how you shot it, I was just like, what? It felt <laughs> terrible because I was like, I don't even know how he did that. And like for me as a filmmaker, I mean, I'm sure that resonates with a few people watching as well and listening, that when you watch something, you just don't know how it was done, but you're just blown away by it. It's just like, I need to know. I need to find out. And it might not just be, well, as of course we discussed, it's not always vi- physically what you shoot it with, but how you shoot it. And, you know, the mentality and, you know, the thought that you put into it is much more important. You know, there's so many things that go into this filmmaking process. Um, Jake, we'll tee up uh, the low rider Brazil, mm-hmm. actually, just so the audience can see what we're talking about here. Because sure. it's, a, it's a special film. And uh, I'll, get, I'll get Stefan to talk to us about this because for me, this is something that I never had a conversation with. It just came out of nowhere. Stefan and myself don't necessarily get a chance to catch up all, all that often, which is a shame as far as I'm concerned. But when this film came out, it just was very surprising. I didn't know he'd been to Brazil and was doing this. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly there's this film. So let's have a look at this there. Okay. Lowrider film. So, I mean, for one thing, the grade is amazing. And I, I don't even going to ask what camera you shot on it, because I know. I know what shot this was done on. You're going to surprise some audience members. Was this an Osmo? Yeah, an Osmo, yeah. <laughs> when, it, when, it, when it's well used, it's a killer tool. It's a very useful tool, seriously. Oh, no, no doubt about it. I think I went and bought one after that, just because of that. Yes, it was a... Uh... It's the original Osmo as well, the original one. Yeah, in 2016. So it, it helps me a lot of that kind of shooting where I shoot everything by myself and uh, you don't have camera chase. There is no Russian arm at all. You just your your car rental, uh, your your hand on the, on the steering wheel, you know, and on the, the other hand, you have the Osmo. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I mean, the thing that blows my mind about this is it's something that all filmmakers strive to do is to immerse you and put you in there. And it's something you do better than most in that regard, especially with this low rider stuff, because I don't know how you were talking to these people to get them to behave in this way, to get that out of them. They're obviously just being themselves, but like you're a Frenchman going to Brazil. You don't, you know, do you speak Portuguese? It's Portuguese in Brazil, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't speak Portuguese at all. No, no, is it speak? Is it, is it speak well um, English? Okay, so you communicated in English, yeah. 
communicate in English, of course. Yeah, and uh, I was helped a lot by the guy on the uh, on the screen right now. He helps me so much, so much. Raphael, Raphael helped me so much uh, for this movie. He, he is uh, the main character of the film. Is is a new generation of uh, the low rider community in Brazil. It's uh, it's quite amazing. Their, their, their story um amazing, seriously. I love that I got us back onto cars, even though I was going to try and get back to some of the other hobbies. But certainly, the cars have been a very prolific thing. The thing, is, uh, the thing is, you can you can uh, you can imagine that uh, when you when you look at the lowrider film from Los Angeles, okay, you can maybe maybe it's a false ID gangs or violence and things like that, which is um, not true because when I filmed the lowrider community in uh, Brazil and even in, in uh, Japan, I wanted to show with my documentaries that this they share passion for cars, for arts, for yeah. dancing, for paintings. They are artists and most about everything they want they have a beautiful culture. Okay? Yeah. And it, it exactly what's Interest me after all the years I filmed cars, drifting, turn attack, and drag racing. I was already uh, interested by the human stories behind. Okay, and for the lowrider scene, I was very interesting to show the human stories behind maybe the f- the fake and false idea of gangsters and things like that. There is no violence. So just guy. Were a passion, a beautiful passion for uh, for cars. But uh, yeah, it's cool. It it, it was an amazing experience. Brazil was an amazing experience. Yeah, between that's very interesting actually. Like that that message you're talking about in terms of the misrepresentation. You know, so many people watch those rap, you know, music videos, rap videos, all that sort of stuff from I don't know even when it would have been late nineties that sort of stuff when it's like low rider culture and like you said, just because of the association with gang violence or that sort of stuff. But then and complete contrast to go and show these people who just care about cars and they just care about the culture and they like the aesthetic of it and that's who they are and that's who they you know that's that's what they you know that's part of them in that regard i find that interesting it's uh they're so kind and to be honest it's a french guy who advised me to contact um the lowrider culture in brazil so it's a worldwide culture and they know each other it's beautiful it's beautiful that's really interesting. I, I wouldn't have even known that. You know, there's no reason why not. Of course, other other things, other you know, other people, other things that people are interested in, whether it be any kind of cultures, I guess, do transcend borders and are global communities in that regard. But I don't know why, because I guess in American culture, their cars are that much more readily available. I just I don't see it in the UK at all. So you might see a low rider or something like that, maybe one by itself, but it's certainly not performing in that. And it's certainly seen in a different way. So it's interesting to me to see that that obviously is in France as well. That's really cool. I guess and to follow up on that, the thing that's resonating with me and the thing that I'm catching from you, and I knew this before I even spoke to you today about it, is that the human story is the thing that is at the core of all your films, whether it be commercial, but also you know, mostly in your personal projects. Has that always been there for you? You know, When you first picked up a camera in the beginning, and started making films because I don't know this about you. I don't know when you started, how you started, you know, 
were you interested in films in school or was it always something about humans and the people that are behind these kind of things that you saw around you? I'm speculating, you know, I'd love to know. Um, it was always um, uh, yeah, about human story. Yeah. When I start filming um, cars, and, uh, uh, I start um, working in cinema industry and movie sets for years. Okay. And um, I was not very interested to pursue, to continue in that way. So what I kind of job did you do? What? What kind of job did you do? Uh, I start working painting the sets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was my first job. Uh, a movie set in Paris for Bertrand Tavernier. Um, and after that, quite, quite, quite um, quickly, I worked with um, Luc Besson. And uh, it was not... Uh, Europe Accord. It was Lilou Production back in the days, uh, and I was uh, I was the first AD of a short movie uh, called um, Les Minimoisies. It, it was not a feature film first, and uh, it was very good experience because I worked like this a lot on movie set, doing every jobs, you know, uh, a lot of jobs, and it. it it, it was, a, yes, a very, very good experience, but I missed racing. I was driving a lot on the Nürburgring back in the days, mm -hmm. and um, I had to do a choice, okay? I had to do a choice between movie sets or racing, and I mixed racing and filming, and uh, Clash Production starts. Of course, so, your first company, Clash Production, which was you know, what spawned the films from Silverstone and, and ultimately the films in 2008 at the uh, Los Angeles World Drift Championships, right? And yes, always human stories. Always focus on human stories. The man behind the cars, their story, and it's, that's the most interesting and beautiful thing, you know? Did you always know that about it, though? For me, personally, I feel like I, it took me a bit of emotional awareness and just mental awareness to understand that that was what was in the film. I knew that from motorsport because I didn't care about the cars. I cared about the people driving them. And when I became friends with them, I wanted them to win. I became a fan of theirs. And then I found that that was the thing that made it into the film. And it was kind of by accident, but because I was filming the events and these were people that I was, you know, talking to and became friendly with. I, I didn't just want them to win, but they were, you know, the stories in my films would revolve around them. That actually went backwards when I moved into it more for a job. You know, when I started doing the work element of it, I kind of forgot that. So it, it took me a while to realign those things and remember that it was the human story and the people about it because you get focused, for me anyway, I got focused too much on the shot and how it looked. So it was like, what's the close-up doing? What's this happening? <laughs> oh, I know. You know this stuff. I, I, you know, I don't want to try and steer towards talking, uh, talking about me and my early career, but I know that you had this, and you used to laugh at me all the time as well when I would be talking about cameras and lenses and this, that, and the other, and you just like you used to mock me so much. But I forget what you used to say. I don't know what it was, but you used to laugh at me anyway. We'll get back to that stuff. But yeah, you know, the thing that's interesting to me is that I don't. It took me a long time to understand that human story was at the core. And only when I did that again, I started to not only get better at filmmaking, but my images were better. Um, 
everything was better if i'm completely honest with you and i it motivated me again because i was then interested in it again i i found something that i was i could feel in my films and i was thinking about things in a completely different way so for me personally that that journey was different i had that at the beginning and then when it came to working and getting paid for it it was different and then i had to learn that again and then when i learned it again things everything changed so it was interesting to me to see if you had a similar journey with that or you just kind of always knew that the, the human element was was there you know yeah definitely yeah like an example i give you an example when i when i did the gobstopper video about uh, roger roger clark what a sports um subaru uh, in the time attack oh, yeah. it was a uh, 12 12 years ago i was much more focused on filming his eye of Oli clark when he is behind the wheel just before start. And I remember that I did a short, um, a quick edit about the Gobstopper mm. uh, video. And uh, it was much, I did uh, like a dynam very dynamic um, video, but it was all about, I feel in his eyes. When I zoom in his, on his eyes, you have everything. everything. And when I was, um, each time I'm on a paddock filming, you, you, I'm I'm very close to the drivers or my actors, very close. And usually I use a wide angle. It's easy. You use a wide angle and I'm very close to them. Okay? In front of them, close to them. And you can catch everything in the eyes. Everything. Everything. Exactly. The feelings, yeah, and there is you you, you can't you can't cheat. Okay. You you have your small camera or your big camera, okay? Yeah. With your wide angle. And I explained before, I explained to the actors, to, to the clients, to the racing, to the, um, the race drivers. Okay. We will pass one day, two days, one week together. And the thing is, I will be very close to you. Okay. Sometimes we won't talk, but I will catch your emotion, your feelings, the way I work. And I work like that with, uh, athletes, sports. Sports guys, uh, boxers, um, my actors too. It's uh, and it works well. And you ask me, um, oh, can I so easily be uh, in the lowrider culture or with a dancer or with the gangs in um, in Sweden? The thing is, I'm super close to them. And once you you pass eight hours like this, they forgot about you. And when they forgot about you, they give you everything you need. On the screen for on the lens everything you need the key is to have a 16 millimeters at last and a 50. so mm -hmm. 16 to have a little bit everything wide and 50 you are very close to catch everything in the eyes that's it right i mean that's the thing isn't it i was gonna prompt you and ask you about that in terms of how do you literally broach the subject with the, with the talent, we'll call them, you know, whether it be a racing driver, an athlete, or any of these kind of people, in terms of physically being that close, because it's quite imposing, and certainly from a personal space kind of conversation, it's being that close to people suddenly starts to offend people, and it's like an actor, different story, an actor, it's their job, they're, they, you know, they're there, they're being employed to do that job, but other people, whether it be in a documentary sense or whatever, that's very uncomfortable and very... You know, unsettling in in certain my experience, but very good to hear from your experience how you handle it. I know from certainly from an audience perspective, there's going to be a lot of people that, that need to know that sort of stuff. 
how do you actually get in amongst the action and stay there and get those shots? And it is simply by being there for a period of time in that regard, getting used to it. You know, someone might be uncomfortable right away, but if you explain what it's going to get and they can see what it means to you as the filmmaker, it's a different situation altogether, right? Yeah, but you just need to explain the clients. You need to explain the talents, what you're going to do, the way you work, and that's it. And they're, they're agree with it. Because it's very easy. I'm glad we got into it because it's easy to say, this is how I work to a client. But that's the thing, isn't it? Not a lot of people necessarily understand that even having the confidence in your own ability and your own style and mm. how you work and how important that is to communicate that very eloquently and very carefully at that point in time so that there's no misunderstanding you know as i'm sure you can you know. no, but the thing is if the client comes to you the not the client but generally the agency or the producers yeah. comes to you okay okay i've seen your film i've seen this film i like i like it very much i think you can be the man you can be the, uh, the good director for this project okay and that's it because they choose you because you film like this and you just have to explain i if you want exactly the same okay we have to film like this and it's very simple it's a matter of trust you explain trust and you matter of trust and respect and where you have everything it's okay the only thing can be tricky um i i work like this a lot with uh athletes um sports people and boxing Sometimes even they are tall guy. Even they are like like with Lewis Hamilton. You know, it's Lewis Hamilton. Uh, we were very close, very close. And you have to do the job. I have to. It's um, it's a matter of trust. And you 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 remember when Lewis? You understand that we knew, we knew the job. We knew how to do it. Okay. Yeah. And everyone around us they were a little bit scared because they didn't think that we could do everything. Oh, especially when there was like two crews and there's like two crews, okay. Crazy production value on one side, yeah. like doing this insane amount of stuff with everything, you know. Once the scene that you you manage, you know your thing. You know your thing. And to know your thing, you have you need a little bit experience. You need to to trust your DOP, you need to trust your crew. And it's after that it's easy. Seriously, it's easy. You maybe it, it can be uncomfortable for maybe a few minutes, and after that, slows. Having the confidence to get over that initial barrier is such an important thing, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess one thing for the house, the you know, for the, for the housekeeping, for the for the newcomer and those kind of people that are breaking into the industry or discovering themselves as directors and trying to, they've got a bit of you know, they've got some work behind them, maybe some films behind them. Um, how do you go about getting building those relationships with either producers or production companies? Do they find you? Do you find them? Give us a little bit of backstory as far as that's concerned. Because I know there's a lot of people out there that have got amazing talents, but they don't necessarily know. And we touched on this in the last episode with Bryn Musselwhite. He talked a little bit about how people could maybe approach him. But just from your own perspective, it's interesting to see how you go about finding those producers that you want to work with or how they might find you. It's a... Uh... I would say it's um, it's a it's again it's it, the emotion you you can have from their film from uh, I can watch a beautiful film on Vimeo and a beautiful commercial or beautiful documentaries and it touched me 
and I need to 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 send the producers, the directors a message. It's just uh, just like that, and uh, it's quite easy. So and it's, not, it's quite easy, and it's, it's it's very complicated too because nowadays the thing is there is so much so much directors who wants to do um, quite the same thing, and I, I would say the key the key is the directors who do beautiful image beauty, doing beauty shots is very easy nowadays. It's easy and a lot of people I mean define beauty shots for me just again for those people that are listening what would you what do you mean by beauty shots beauty shots is uh you have a sunset you have a beautiful car you have um, a great anamorphic cook lenses and your alexa mini you can't miss your shots okay <laughs> no, normally if you you you, quite good, you can't miss your shot but if there is no soul in your shot, if there is no singularity, okay? if there is no emotion, it's just a beautiful shot of a car or an actor's walking in slow motion. For me, it's pointless. It, it can be very useful for, sometimes on commercial, but we did a job. We have the, the, the beauty. We are lucky because we can create emotions. You understand? We can create emotion, and that's exactly, exactly the thing we can bring to people, emotions, okay? Hope, joy, everything. And that's the thing, even for a tires commercial, even for a tires commercial, bring emotion. Try to, try to find a story. Try, I mean, and that, that sounds like a harder task, trying to bring emotion to a tire commercial, but you know, it's all good, you're not losing me. <laughs> No, no, I, I don't want to lose you. We will have to look to and to the audience. Um, advise them to look at a beautiful car commercial called from Nokia Tires. No Nokia Tires from a director called Rune Milton. The shot, basically, it's just a tires like this. Okay, during maybe 30, 30 seconds. Okay, but in the frame, you have all the life of the people going in and going out of the car. There is a story, beautiful story, and that's it. You, you, you can film, a, I don't know, a GT3 RS um, uh, wheel, okay, or a beautiful drift with a lot of smokes and slow motion and a lot of sound design, okay? But yes, and... There is no point for that. Or, or and just the logo of um, the client, badass tires. <laughs> the by itself is useless. Yeah. I, I can understand that. I can understand that. But the, the, you asked me the question. You have to find your own singularity. Um, you have to find your own emotion you can bring to the to the story, to the client, to to the film. Okay. And that's it. Once you find your way. When you find find a way to to give emotion to to the script you're seeing, go for it and try to be honest with everyone. Okay, and after that, it's just a matter of trust. Of course, yeah. oh, that's absolutely. It. I'm I'm on the same page for sure. Absolutely. That's why uh, when when I sometimes there, there is some DOP or who send me their uh, showreel and. Um, uh, I watch um, beautiful videos, and there is a lot of beautiful footage, you know, and uh, it's cool, but 
sometimes there is no soul in it. There is no emotions, you understand? Yeah. And, I, and I told them, okay, it's cool. Uh, you show me that you, you know how to deal with uh, Ari Alexa, you know exactly your lenses, but it missed a little bit of something. Yeah, it's like a conversation between technical and creative, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. like, I learned everything about this thing, but what did you really learn? <laughs> you just learned some numbers on paper and maybe some test charts. And that's, what else did you learn? You know, you can, you can turn it on, great. And you can point yeah. it out. And, you can and, I told, and I just told them, and I tell them that uh, uh, film a little bit more, maybe with all your setup, your big commercial setup, but I'm pretty sure you can have emotion with your iPhone or your small DSLR, okay? Try that. Try to try to produce something with um, emotion, and when the, the viewers uh, that will be touched, you will win. It's really but, funny actually because Bryn, the last guest on the last <clears throat> the first episode of this podcast, said the same thing. Everyone has access to the camera. You just go and shoot something. Go and practice. Go and try. I mean, his advice was to get out there and just do, go, do, and just do, 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 do it as much as you can. And I think that's, you know, I try not to cherry pick the advice. I want it to be coming from you guys. I want to make sure that the advice comes from you guys. So I'm not, you know, manipulating in any way because I want to make sure that people hear the words coming from your mouth and how you've done it um, and not impart too much of my own, you know, in, in that regard. But there's so much great advice in that, in, in so many ways, just about just getting out there and doing it. And, you know, I can speak for you, I'm sure, in this regard and understanding that we've, you've touched on a few of your hobbies and interests in, in all these things. But is there any, any other things in life that you can do, especially right now when people aren't necessarily able to go out and find hobbies? You know, for me, a lot of things are music, motorsports, obviously. But beyond that, now into sport, we share, you know, boxing as a hobby and an interest. Um, but they're not the easiest things to do right now. So... I mean, we talked about it a bit earlier. You were able to sort of contact different kind of people and the thing together. We're, we're, I think um, since uh, now 50 days, um, there is nothing well, for me. I, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't go outside and shoot something or it's quite complicated. There is no, no shooting at all at the moment. So You're in France right now, right? You're in Metz? Or? Yeah. Yeah, and in East of France, and East of France is uh, is pretty pretty bad at the moment. Yes, and um, I I think a little bit of oh, can I be not creative but positive first? Oh, can I in is that is that situation? Is we just have to be united. So I the first thing I did is uh, I did um, an edit called Hope. Okay, I mix a lot of beautiful video, beautiful footage. Okay just to give hope to people. It's just a, a, a small thing, okay? And after that, I called all the dancers all over the world, and I told them, let's do something to bring positivity to everyone. When they will look on their phone, they will, they will have three minutes of full energy, full good vibes, okay? And the thing is, um, no, like I told you maybe uh, last week or two weeks ago, I tried to do something with... Uh, um, motorsports and car commercial directors to because it will be very complicated uh, um, after the crisis 
I suppose the, the disadvantage is that we can't shoot. The advantage is that we can talk to one another. You know, we yeah. can have conversations, we can plan, we can yeah. write films, we can develop things, and we can coordinate with these different people and, and come up with ideas that we perhaps didn't have the time to, maybe too busy or whatever. And I, yeah, I watch a lot of things, a lot of things, and I discuss and contact people and try to, yeah, try to be creative, try to find new ways, try to find an emotion in something. And once you have that, you share it. And I share it because you are, seriously, I think we have to be united. It's, uh, we have to be united. Sometimes uh, I talk to the audience, maybe the younger audience, um, working in car, working in commercial in general, it can be sometimes people have big ego. So sometimes, and uh, it's uh, one guy doing and telling everything. And uh, I don't work like this at all. Okay, I share, like you said, I share everything with my crew, and um, like I did with you and YSL and Lewis Hamilton. Um, do your thing, okay? Do your magic thing, okay? And um, nowadays, we have more than ever us to be united in the project we'll have to, to do after, okay? Have you got any plans? Yes. When, when we're all let free, have you got plans? Yeah, I have a um, dance. First of all, I have to finish a dance documentary, yeah. okay? Um, it, it, it could be quite interesting. And I... The thing is, uh, I tried to... Give us some more background. What's the dance documentary about? Who is it? Where is it? <laughs> I want to know everything. <laughs> it's about the creator of the, the, creator of the dance, um, of the life in dance. Okay, cool. So going back to what we saw earlier, yeah. From New York, he came to Paris, and we meet, and it was just before the lockdown. And we are we have to shoot we had to shoot on the worldwide dance championship. It was cancelled a few hours before the shoot, and we had to find something to do because he went there from New York. All the dancers were there, so we had to find something to do. And I won't say anything more, but it was very cool, seriously, very cool. And there is another project uh, with my friends working like Frederick, like Nathan, like Alex, like you. Yep. I, would, I would like to unite these guys, all these talents, to do something uh, on cars, commercials, and motorsport. Because I, I'm pretty sure we are working a lot, a, a little bit everywhere, okay? All by ourselves, okay? In US, in Japan, in France. But we can do something together. We can be a little bit more like unite that's it it's just more you know from what i said earlier the one thing that i know that we haven't got the chance to do is actually work together more and find that level that we know we can deliver together but we just haven't had a chance you know we've perhaps over 10 years we did mitsubishi was the first thing we made a commercial which we haven't even talked about at all <laughs> i will <laughs> talk about that um, you know, we've done that. We did YSL, L'Oreal, and maybe one or two other things, but we never had a chance to really develop. And I think the funny thing is, well, let's go into Mitsubishi because it's quite funny about that. Is this was my first commercial as a director, TV commercial, and they simply said this in the production meeting: "Who do you want to work with?" I was, I did not know how lucky I was in this moment. <laughs> 
I did not know how lucky and how, you know, how, how much of an amazing opportunity that would simply be. Who do you want to work with? I want to work with Stefan. That was the first thing I said. I knew that he was a man that I needed to work with. And at that point in time, when was it? What year was it? I don't even know what year it was. 2015. That was it. 2014, 2015. And we just went, okay, cool. What do you want to do? And this is the most hilarious thing. And I feel embarrassed saying it because the reality is what you've just been talking about this whole time is production. Explain how you work. <laughs> don't make, you know, have the communication. Who's going to be doing what? Get the pre-production done. And I was so excited at the idea of doing my first commercial that I was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> we just didn't do the planning bit. And they were like, we want to drive from the south of coast of England to the Sahara Desert in two weeks and film things whilst we're moving. So we had to shoot in France, Portugal, uh, Spain, Morocco. We got the boat as well it was just absolutely insane i mean you've probably got a few memories from that trip myself but that that for me was just the most insane experience having to be able to work with that but like kind of forgetting that just again for those audience members that don't necessarily know much about shooting commercials that's not how you do it <laughs> the, the, the thing is uh it's very interesting you said that you mentioned that that's not the thing that's not the way you normally shoot commercials but when you shoot digital commercials okay that the way you should maybe do a little bit more because we work fast we work well and we produce good content in a short matter of time Being very nice about this project to be fair when i look back on it i'm like yeah we got some beautiful shots but the moments that we had the most ridiculous moments I mean, count them off. I mean, there was one moment where we loaded up maybe 200 watermelons into the back of a pickup truck. And we just said, like, we didn't do, we had fixers, which was great. You know, fixers, the people that go out and help you. They're amazing people that help you on the ground in different locations in different countries, ultimately, to help you get stuff done. And in this instance, it was like, okay, what do you need today? Uh, I need 200 watermelons to fit. It wasn't even that. It was how many watermelons does it take to fit in the back of that pickup truck? And that was just, okay, cool. No worries. We'll be back in a bit. And lo and behold, here's a car. It comes back with a, you know, a boot load of watermelons. It was actually... I don't have the same memories from, from this one. I, I, um, I remember it was quite easy to shoot because um, we were very lucky to have, I think the client and agency were there. Yeah, and they were, they were so cool, so cool with us. And they understand that we didn't have much time. We drive, we stop, we shoot, we drive. That's it. Okay. Yeah. We found and, our locations. It wasn't that there was there was preparation, but it wasn't the kind of preparation which would usually be done. There wasn't necessarily shot lists. It was like right, we found an amazing location. I mean, even one day we found in the middle of the desert an abandoned football soccer pitch. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the start line for this part of the film. And we just stopped and was like, all right, okay, here's our shooting time for today. We've got to move on at X time, but let's go. But we had beautiful, we had very good energy for, from everyone, good vibes from everyone, okay? And it gives us something more, something special. That's why we were not too much tired. We were 
for two weeks of hard work. It was very hard. Oh, it was and, hard, for sure. Yeah. Up at sort of six in the morning and finishing whenever we finished driving, right? We were moving, we were shooting. It wasn't we rest. And I think the only time they made us rest was when it was, what, 40 or 50 degrees in the desert. They were like, you can only work three hours in this heat and that's it. And we were like, ah, we can keep going. And I remember at the end of the shooting, it was the end of the Ramadan. We were in the Sahara Desert. We were in the Sahara Desert. You remember with the, the, the drivers, okay? And uh, it was one or two nomads with us. Yeah, they're amazing. Every, every, everything was finished. The clients were very happy. Agencies were super cool. The guy from the agency was so cool, so cool. I remember. And uh, they were distressed. Okay, everything went well. So they go back to the hotel. They went back to the hotel, and we stay. We stay in the desert with the nomads, and we eat a little bit for the end of the Ramadan. And one of the nomads told us something very interesting. He told us, you know, the difference between me and you, because he passed the day with us, and it was so stressed. You are, he, he showed me. Uh, he showed us the the watch. You have the hour, and have time, and. As that was so powerful, okay? I have time, I have full of time. And we stayed in the desert, okay, looking at the stars. And it was such a beautiful moment, you know? You remember? I honestly never forget that moment. It was, it's in my, like, it's in my top 10 moments in my life, no doubt about it. Laying there under the stars in the Sahara Desert, and it didn't matter where you were. It just, you forgot everything. Yeah, you, you forgot gone from your brain and especially after that period of time we've been working so hard every and, single day and that's exactly that's exactly what i like about that kind of shooting okay you can explain it was a commercial for four by four for uk but in fact what i remember the most is all that good moments and special specifically this this moment okay uh, because this is a very good les lesson okay we were so stressed and we had not so much time, but once you take your time a little bit, okay, appreciate, feel, okay. And that was one of the best moments um, I've been uh, on a shoot, definitely. I'm very grateful to hear that. I'm grateful that I could be a part of that, in honesty, could be a part of one of your favorite moments because it was, it was a special time, for real, it was. It was definitely one of the highlights of, in such a weird way because I felt so naive. I felt so underprepared because it was my first commercial i think you're bound to feel that way in in any situation you're out of your depth i, I, I feel that way i remember i remember well that you 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 had like a you, you were you were quite serious you were very pro very and you are very pro but you were very serious about we have to shoot that like this like this then we change the angle like this and i was looking at you it was quite interesting because you were so pro, so pro. You, you know how to film cars. So there is no point about that. And sometimes I try to show you that breathe. Yeah, yeah. Breathe. And maybe if we do a little bit wider or instead of five shots, we just take two shots like this and explain to the discuss always with the client and the agency. Yeah, yeah. Which I wasn't used to doing at all. <laughs> and after, and after, and after they understand the way we work, 
they trust us and we can do everything we want. That's it. That's really interesting because honestly, like from that side of things, I feel like that to me feels like a lifetime ago. It feels like it may, it must, it may as well have been 20 years ago, but it was only five years ago. No, and five. I've learned between now and then, I feel like just blow my mind because the amount of things that I've learned from people like yourself, from taking my time, like you said, just thinking about things a little bit differently, but just allowing them to breathe and all these things, you know, whether it be the film, whether it be quite literally in edits, in all things, you know, when we're actually cutting the films, whether we're shooting, we, you know, always kind of just reminding myself to relax a bit and just take, we're here for a reason. And that's to this. And it's sometimes only after you do those things, you know, you just take a minute that you find whatever it is that you're looking for in on set or in the, in the film. And I find that particularly interesting. Again, considering but, the time that we're talking about right now, you know. That, that, I think that's the key. Everyone on, on a commercial set, they will, they will be, not everyone will be stressed, but they, they can give you some stress and they will ask a million questions a day. And if you have uh, one week or two weeks shooting, if you are not prepared, if you are not cool, and if you, are, if you don't trust yourself, if you are not ready, there may, <laughs> may be some trouble, okay? So the, you have to prepare everything and most of you have to trust yourself. And one, once you do that, the first day on a shoot, if you trust your DOP, trust your, your team, your whole team, once you have that, the first day, they will come with a lot of questions, but you will be cool, quiet. It's like, like you, you, you know, we, we do boxing together. We, we do boxing. It's like you enter a fight. If you are too stressed, you can think. And the key is to think and to be clever. Okay. What type of boxing do you do, by the way, just for the audience? Uh, Muay Thai. It is Muay Thai. Thai boxing. Thai boxing. Uh, you, it's not a matter. It's not a, a matter of stress. It's not if you are more stressed, you will be more. Um, uh, you will do a better work. Not at all. You have to be prepared. You have to trust, and everyone has to trust you. And you have to be cool. And that, that's it. That's the key. You have to know your tools. That's very, very important. But if you have a good DOP, a good team, that's it. How much do you, the things in your personal life? Muay Thai, with the, with the kickboxing, how much does that preparation mentally help what you do in, in everyday life? I mean, I, I talk about it in a filmmaking sense because from my personal perspective, I feel like developing your mind in boxing or in anything else definitely helps me personally. But I'm just intrigued to see your thoughts on it and see if, you know, boxing is a, a thing that you do in Muay Thai. Um, we, we discussed about boxing years and years ago now. Before I started boxing, for sure. Yeah, box. I, I told I told you try boxing because boxing was uh, uh, boxing helped me a lot to to answer your question. Helped me a lot. I do boxing for ten years now, uh, kickboxing and no uh, Thai boxing. But it helped me to be more quiet. Okay, when you enter a fight and you go on a shoot, you have to be you you are prepared. All the pre it's, it's when you all the preparation it's for boxing. The, the the fight starts at the gym, okay. When you go on the ring, it's um, it's just fun. 
It's just joy, you understand? It's just joy, have pleasure, have fun. It's exactly the same thing on a movie set, on a commercial. You have to prepare everything, but you have to prepare well, okay? Discuss about the angles, storyboards, prepare with a comedian, prepare with your crew. Everything has to be prepared. And once you've done that, you arrive on the movie set the first day, it's easy. Okay, there will be some struggle every time with the weather, with uh, pff, a lot of things will happen and you can do, you can, you can prepare that. But if you know, if you are well prepared, it's like on a fight, you enter the ring, you breathe and then you go and you, that's it. And the punch you have on a fight, it's on a movie set, all the questions from clients, can we do that? Is, is the agency, can we do that like that? Okay. <laughs> no. I was just about to say that. Getting punched in the face. If you get punched in the face a few times, suddenly scary questions, not scary anymore. <laughs> and I told you, I remember I told you back in days that uh, boxing is very important because you will know much better yourself. Mm. The thing is, when you will do your first fight, you will have your first punch in the face. You will know... Oh, you react. How you feel about it, right? If you protect yourself and you're hit, or if you want to hit back immediately, if you go forward or if you go backward. And it, on a movie set, it's exactly like this. You can be, you have a lot of questions, you can have a lot of trouble, but go forward, go forward, and that's it. I could not have said it better. I really appreciate you sharing that with uh, with the audience. I do. I feel like I'm very conscious of the fact that we haven't let the audience ask you any questions. So if there is anyone paying attention at home, tuning in, then feel free to ask Stefan whatever you want, myself included. Um, this will also live on uh, CVP's YouTube channel. We're working on getting it on iTunes and Spotify as well. So there will be a w ways where you can get hold of us afterwards as well. I'm sure Stefan doesn't mind you getting hold of him on his Instagram and social channels. There's fun things there. I don't even know what your Instagram handle is. I think it's at Stefan Benini, right? Yes. Um, people don't mind, you know, neither of us mind at all. It's, if people want to ask questions about anything that we're talking about today, and this absolutely will live on CVP's YouTube channel anyway. So if you want to come back to us at any point in time after the fact, then by all means. Um, I think we're kind of, we're getting, we've got a lot into the heart of everything, which I really enjoy. And I certainly, I really, I'm very glad that you were able to share your sentiment and like what matters to you about this, because there's so much advice that I've managed and been grateful, you know, and been lucky enough more so to, to appreciate over the course of like what I would consider a relatively short career so far and how much those things have changed things for me. Tiny bits of advice that have really benefited my ability to move forward and learn way more so, you know, I feel like I've managed to sort of jump steps at different points of time in my career because of people like yourself. And that advice is just invaluable in terms of understanding there's a handful of things within this industry that are just really going to help people find who, are, like you mentioned it a minute ago, you find out who you are, you know, whether that's what job you want to do on set or actually who you are as a filmmaker mm -hmm. and what physically you're interested in what thing resonates with you. That's why I asked you about the human stories earlier because it's one thing knowing you're interested in human stories. Well, which one? There's so many compelling human stories the world over. And, you know, we talk about quite trivial interests, whether it be boxing or motorsport. 
and these kind of things. But there's so many other issues in the world and so many so many different kinds of filmmakers that that put themselves out there to go and tackle these, you know, in some cases seemingly insurmountable tasks, you know, where we talk about the different issues going on in the world and that sort of stuff. But the thing that I've always loved about you in this regard is you've always said have fun. It's like make sure you have fun. You know, and even in situations that have trial within them, whether it be very specifically in, you know, uh, something you're interested in or on a film set or whatever where you are, that thing has always resonated with me. And I think probably more so, it's like, if I'm not having fun, why am I doing it as well? Like, if it's something that you've met, I'm very lucky that I haven't found myself in that situation in a very long time. But I know people do find themselves going like, oh, I'm on set, I'm a bit whatever. And, you know, I guess a lot of that's to do with like the mental side of it and understanding that you've got a lot to learn. But, you know, people like this, people like yourself, sorry, and situations like this enable people to find resources like this where they can learn those bits and go, hold on a minute. Maybe I didn't enjoy, like you said at the beginning, painting a set <laughs> was your first job. Okay, maybe you're not supposed to paint sets. Maybe you're probably, maybe you're more of an artist if you want to paint sets. Who knows? Maybe that, that's a person, you know. But it was a beautiful experience painting on a movie set. It was yeah. yeah, definitely. Because I start, I worked four months on the movie uh, from Bertrand Tavernier. And I start, um, I, Actually, I wanted to work uh, with the directors. No, I was young. And, uh, did you have experience uh, shooting movies? No, not at all. Okay, what do, you, what do you know to do? I know to paint. Okay, you will paint. But no yeah, and the first, the first ones, I paint a lot of sets. And after, I, I, was, I managed all the small accessories uh, the actors needed on set. And for, uh, yeah. Yeah, and for two months, I work with uh, closely to the directors, closely to the the actors, and it was so such a beautiful experience, such a beautiful experience. But um, glad to hear that. I'm sure people don't find their first job on set being the most beautiful experience. I feel like you'd be able to find the joy in anything. Mm-hmm. I, I know you remember things a little bit differently to me when it comes to the Mitsubishi shoot, but fortunately, every other shoot we've had is a fun experience, so we've always got good memories about them. To be fair. Yeah, and you know we. The thing is, um, for for the audience and for for you, for me, uh, working in the um, in the commercial industry in motorsport, well, doing films in general, it's such a pleasure. We are lucky. Okay, we are very very lucky because. Oh, no, 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 no. So that's why I told you, um, a fun. We just a fun. We we don't have much time on hers. So we, we have to have fun and we are so lucky. We just have to create emotion on screen. Okay. It's just, it's just that there is no, you, you, you can, we, I, we can talk about, um, well, um, Stanley Kubrick film, something maybe with a lot of meanings, but that's not what we do. Okay. We do commercials, we do documentaries, we do, we have done a lot of car stuff. It's just having fun, giving emotion to the screen, and all together. That's it. So don't waste your don't waste your time being stressed on a set. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone. Do you have and, ambition with the uh, with films? Do you want to do feature films and that sort of stuff, or is that is that on your agenda? Yeah, I have two projects. The first one is I would like to to finish my boxing 
because I've done a lot of boxing films. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would like to finish a documentary in Congo with um, the war children the, in the east of Congo. There is some, I found a guy, amazing story. It sounds like quite a departure from, from everything else that you've been talking yeah. about. I would like this film to be my last film for documentary um, in boxing, which is uh, I found a guy who, with um, an ex-military guy, okay, and he tried to save the children who are in the jungle with uh, guns, and he, he, he proposed them, give me your guns, I will give you gloves, and I will teach you boxing. Wow. So in terms of human stories, it's so, so beautiful. And you know what? It's very complicated to find a production that will follow you on that kind of project in France. I, I've tried, but it's, it's quite complicated. So, and the, uh, yeah, Congo it, is not the easiest uh, to think about filming, for sure. And I don't sell anything. I don't, there is no product to sell. There is just, you know, you understand? It's just about human stories. Beautiful. And the thing I have, um, yeah, I write at sometimes to write a sh short movie, um, a short movie about, I would say, family and times flying. Uh, something very, um, I had in mind for years now. So it may be the next step. But the thing is, I don't like, like, you know, I don't like to do every time the same thing. It's so boring. Okay. So I try, I, I follow my fears. And my fears is doing feature film, doing more um, construct film. So I go in that way. Interesting. So you yeah. say that that motivates the ambition, your fear. That's the first time I've heard you say that. Fear, fear, is, uh, fear is the best motivation you can have for an, for an artist, for, uh, I think for a director. It's the best motivation because you can pass, you can have a 20 years career of filming cars, uh, doing car commercials, or um, filming uh, other things, and you, you can be bored. You will have a lot of money, but you can be bored and unhappy, okay? And it can be very frustrated for, for, uh, for an artist. The thing is, every time you have on, you, you can watch film, and sometimes you say, I would like to try this, but I don't know to film this. I don't know this guy. I don't know this country. And, but you know, that you want to do that. And the, the key is follow your fear. For, well, for me, is that. I, I didn't know at all how to film dancers in the subway chased by the police in New York. I take a flight, I go there. I didn't know at all how to react with the Swedish mafia and the illegal street racing in Sweden. But I just take a, a flight ticket, go there, that's it. Uh, even for the low riders in uh, in Brazil, or when I film boxing in the favelas, it's always fear is the best motivation. And once you break that fear, you can do everything. And boxing touched me a lot about this. And uh, when you go on a set and you, there is no fear. And uh, usually agencies and producers they hire me to put me in very complicated situations sometimes. <laughs> when, uh, seriously, the more the more the situation is complicated, the more the artists or the athletes, it's not easy to deal with. the The best uh, the best job I can do is 
it's for me it's um you, you we've done we've done that um sometime um two times together but it's 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 quite easy i don't feel the pressure at all i i did some film with um it's an easy thing but just to, to give you an example uh, more more simple very simple uh, i did maybe six or seven films with the french soccer team with a world champion and um they are very young and they tell me the, um, the producer the agency they told me okay stefan you will have other guys for you for 15 minutes or 25 minutes and you have maybe every uh, all your shots has to be done in 15 minutes or tw- 25 minutes 15 or 25 minutes yeah so you have to do you have to do your film in right. okay and there is not, not just one guy there is mbappe there is everyone is there everyone and they are like children you know they they like to they like to have fun they have to have it's normal okay and the thing is um no i have worked with them many times many times and we play together when we when they see when they they see me on a set we they, they remember that we have good times and we play and it's just it just for me it's quite easy to work with them now seriously it's quite easy to work with uh, mbappe or all the guys from the french soccer team and like we did with Lewis Hamilton, like we did with um, Sebastian Loeb, like it's working with these guys, you just have to be cool, not stressed. You just have to ask the agency, the agents, usually, let me do my, my job. Okay, and I've, I've, I've heard what you have to say. Uh, please, let me try things. Okay. And, and I'm starting to understand how I can sometimes come across rude myself now. I'm like, oh, yeah, can you just go away? <laughs> but I understand it sometimes, for sure. You just have to make sure that, that your opinion is understood and it's not come from anything, you know, it's your responsibility to do a job and make sure that you're there and prepared to do it. And like you said, the less stress there, the easier that becomes for everyone involved. And suddenly people start to relax anyway, don't they? People feel it on set, so. When did- I really appreciate your time today. Um, I think that we've certainly gleaned a lot about, we've understood a lot about your philosophy behind filmmaking, which is definitely something I wanted to share with the audience today because it is such a unique thing, but it's something that gets lost so frequently. And being able to share a bit of your work as well. And honestly, humble to be able to share a set with you, be able to work together. I, I hope that one day soon we can work together again. I'm sure we'll find uh, our, our situation where we'll do that. I'm not sure what it is yet, but I'm sure we will. I hope so that, that we can film uh, together uh, a cool car commercial or something crazy between the Nürburgring, Laguna Seca, or uh, Brenzach. I don't know, but something having a plane or something. It'd be way more fun. Mm. <laughs> we, we didn't discuss about technical things and camera and lenses. I mean, if you like, we've got a couple of questions that did talk about technical stuff. But I just yeah. didn't have time to interject. <laughs> we did have one, one gentleman ask what your favorite camera was, Stefan. This is an important question. What's your favorite camera? Seriously? Seriously? That's what a question covered? Uh, nowadays, my, my iPhone is my best camera. My phone is my best camera. Seriously, because it's always in my pocket. 
it's super easy to shoot with okay and last year i did i used my uh, my iphone with a uh, um some lenses on it and um yeah adapters and um i don't remember the application on it but it was a cool application and uh i did two commercials using using uh using the iphone and the thing is it was with a red bull one with red bull and one with a uh a french company and the thing is there was camera on, camera on set the film I, and I tried something with the phone. And uh, we mixed that together. And the evening on, in the train, I did post on Instagram um, some, some shots with the iPhone ready. And uh, a famous DOP in the US contacted me. What was the camera you used? <laughs> Seriously. And, uh, now, and uh, I've shot a lot, a lot of my personal project with uh, uh, SMS2 back in the days. Sony A7S2. No, I've tried, and I, I like to shoot anamorphic a lot. I like to shoot anamorphic a lot. Full frame, full frame a lot. So I've tried, yeah, I've shot a lot with Alexa, Red, and that kind of stuff. But uh, for personal projects on um, documentaries, when you need to be, to have a small camera, okay, when you work with GANs or when you have to be clever enough to have a big, big, big camera and big crew, I've tried the S1, S1, uh, Lumix, S1, Lumix uh, S1 Edge. And for me, the S1 Edge uh, has run and gun, and I'm a thick, uh, it's a beast. Seriously, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a very good tool, very good tool. I can't hear you. I think Josh is lagging out. Looks like he's lagging out a bit on my screen. Okay. You there, Josh? Do you want me to put my camera? Um, oh. We got <laughs> Two seconds. I'll, I'll change the I'll change the server and see if I fix it, Josh. We're just having a bit of a but no, no, no matter the camera you use, it has to be the, the right tool for the right project. That's it. Are we back in the game? All right, we're in Brazil. We're in Brazil now. I've changed the server location. I think we're back. Oh. You're very robotic, Josh. Well, you can hear Stefan, can you hear me fine? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh, isn't it? Yeah. You there, Josh? It's still laggy. All right, two seconds. Is this better? That is better. <laughs> there we go, guys. We're back in the room. Cool. Sorry about that. We're back. <laughs> the wonderful world of technical. And, he, and he's gone again. <laughs> Are we back now? Oh, you were then. 
It, is, it looks like you're data moshing. Really? Stefan, uh, someone's asking what phone you use to film. Uh, you can hear me? Yeah, mate, I can hear you, yeah. Uh, I have an iPhone 8 with a... I, I use an um, iPhone 8 Plus and uh, sometimes the 11 Pro with a moment case and moment lens of uh, 18, 54, 56, and the anamorphic one. And uh, I use the um, movie free fly small gimbal. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, and I have the moment application too. And, um, uh, for for some kinds of projects, it's it's quite good. Yeah. And I, and I and I did a Red Bull commercial for digital for it was for Instagram I think for YouTube last year with that kind of setup we had big cameras too, but um, most of the footage came from the phone so it was good <laughs> because you can shoot flats you can uh, it's sometimes it's just a new pocket you just have push the button, that's it. When you don't have time and for some, some specific shooting where the client is not here, for example, because you can't go on a shoot with an iPhone or your phone because they invest a lot on commercial, so they need to see big cameras and I understand that perfectly, that's normal. But sometimes it can be very useful, very, very, very useful. Yeah, I remember when I was growing up, one of the... OG YouTubers I used to watch is a photographer called Chase Jarvis, and he mm -hmm. uh, he did a he has a book that's called The Best Camera Is the One That You Have With You, and it's literally all just about that exact you know what you're saying where you know the camera, in his opinion, that's the best is the one that you capture those moments whenever whenever you need to. So, last year I was in Los Angeles last year filming um, street racing, and um, I had a, a small setup with a it was very small A7. A7 III, Sony S7 III, I think, with the anamorphic lens. And just just at the end of the shoot, it broke. We're back. It, we're back? We are back. You're right, Josh. I, I was just telling that um, on a shoot last year, I had a small, very small anamorphic setup. And it broke. And I just used my phone with an anamorphic uh, lens. And it was okay. Just to finish it. Josh, you there? How, how's, how's it going? That doesn't look great. All right, I'm going to try and change the server again. Two seconds. You there, Josh?
We're live. Any better, Josh? Any better? Um, yeah. Nah, I think, yeah, Josh, it's, it's still not good, mate. Do you want me to talk? In the, yeah, in, in the meantime, Stefan, so the one question one question we had was uh, as if either of you have been asked by clients to deliver content in HDR and what do you think of the uptick of this over the next few years or do you think it will go the same way of 3D? 3D and HDR? As, as in like, do, do you do think uh, HDR is going to go the same way that 3D has in terms of it's not being very popular? Honestly, I have um, not so much idea, but uh, I've not filmed anything in, uh, in 3D. HDR um, can be very cool, can be very cool, but uh, I've not filmed so much experience 3D shooting, so I can't I can't say more about it. I'm not I think, technical. I think I think more so. What he's asking is, do you think HDR will fall out of trend like 3D has, or do you think it's something that's going to stay within the industry? I have no idea. Seriously, I have no <laughs> idea. But the thing is, which is interesting with the, the resolution you have on camera right now, you have 4K, 6K, 8K, and um, a, lot, a lot of people may think that you need the bigger resolution for your project. Yeah, so actually, you need 8K. Understand? And I, I don't think it's it's, it's true. When you put some 8K and 6K roll on the computer, try to deal with it, and it will be quite complicated. If you go just with 4K roll uh, for your camera, it, it can be plenty enough, plenty enough. I can understand sometimes on, on a shoot you need 6K. I can totally understand, and 8K is perfect for reframe. But... Um, there is like a rush to have a better re resolution. And sometimes I discussed with my, a, a very good friend of mine, uh, with the OP, and I told him, just, just stay with the 4K row and, and that's it. It's, uh, it's pretty, pretty cool. And I just would like to know what uh, Josh thinks about that. He, he can hear us? Josh? Not sure. Okay. And, um, uh, I um, discussed previously about uh, being cool and uh, not being stressed on a shoot. And um, the thing is, I always have um, a small, a small uh, video games, a Nintendo Switch with me. And when when we have time on a shoot, and sometimes it happens, we play with with the, the actors or the sports guy on Mario Kart. <laughs> That's awesome. And I remember we did a shoot for a French soccer team called uh, the PSG. I had, had, um, I, I did a shoot with the PSG um, two years two years ago, and we had some time between the shots, and we were in their private room. You know, they want a big screen. And we play with the clients. We play on Mario Kart with the, the agencies, and we play with um, the soccer guys. So it was, it was cool. It, it, that's one of the, of the key to, 
not being stressed. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, like, it's like you and Josh have said, it's quite, it's important when you're on a set to, to not give off, yeah, how, how under pressure you are. And, you know, like, like you say, the more, you know, it's, it's just naturally, you know, what we're like as humans, isn't it? You know, we're, you, you, your, uh, the kind of energy you're putting out is perceived so much by other people. So, yeah, like you say, being able to just to give off like an easy free, like, you know, easy going vibe is going to be so much better for working with other people. And the key is the relation, the relation you have between the producers, the directors and the DOP. If, if you, if you're good with your producers is if your DOP knows you well, if you trust everyone and if your producer trusts you, everything, everyone uh, will trust you. Anyway, it will be, so easy, so, so, so easy. And I worked so many times like this, and I was very, I'm very lucky to have uh, worked like this with a very good DIOP, with very good producers. And um, it's just, um, I, I don't feel working on commercial, it's just having fun. So it's, it's like, yeah, having fun. It's not a, it's not a big work. Yeah, totally. And it happens so many times, so, so, so many times. And um, I remember we worked with uh, Josh on a shoot quite very complicated, very, very complicated. If you like, if you like technical things, it will be, it was very complicated. We, we were two different crew on L'Oréal, L'Oréal uh, commercial in Barcelona. And uh, there was one big crew. Uh, for uh, the TV commercial, and we had to, and me, Josh and Frederick, uh, for the for the digital films we have to do. And um, the thing is, I remember we arrived on a set. There was a lot of mud, and uh, we we repeat a little bit without Lewis Hamilton, and. Uh, uh, the agent on Levy Hamilton came and he told me, okay, you just have to do one shot. Okay, and we need slow motion, we need gimbal stuff, and we need uh, aerial shots. I told him, oh, how many shots do I have? Just one. So he will run from point A, point A to point B, just one time. And you have to do everything in one shot. And uh, I told him, okay, okay, let's Think about it a little bit. I discussed with Josh and Frederick, and I remember we write something. We take 15 minutes to write a little bit, a plan to run from here, run from there, then slow-mo, then taking the drone. And we did, in one shot, we did, finally, we did everything in one shot. It was with, a, I think we had FS7, something like that, FS7, FS5 with the Atomos and um, DJI Mavic Pro, something like that. And uh, on the gimbal, we have maybe a S7S2 or FS5. And everything was cool. And had, uh, I was with my small camera, 16 millimeters. Lewis arrived and I filmed Lewis very close. I was so close to him and there was a very good emotion. And I told Lewis, okay, Lewis, you good? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, let's do uh, one more. And I remember the agent came, no, 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 no. I told Lewis, you're good to do one more? Yeah, one more. And we just did that, yeah, one or two more sh uh, shots. And we had 
everything. And once they, they, they saw that we manage everything in one shot, the rest of the day and all the two, the two other films we have to do was perfect. It was so easy, so easy to do. And because Lewis have things that we, we can manage um, that kind of shooting with a lot of stress. And we were not stressed at all. It was just pure joy, pure fun, really pure fun. Like we were working with friends. And Josh was very good, very good that day. Very, very good. Yeah, he just messaged me saying he's restarting his computer now. So hopefully he can pop back on <laughs> to say goodbye just before six. Um, point is that, but. And for, yes, uh, with Josh, for example, we when we did the Yves Saint Laurent commercial, commercial um, he was so. It was so important for him to, to work with the, the, the red one, the red, red camera. You're here, Josh? I think we're back in the room. Can you hear me? Yeah, okay. yeah. it's a little bit laggy, but you, you are there. <laughs> we're here. Amazing. Well, first and foremost, apologies for that. I'm not the best with technology. I was, I was explaining... Between the Wi-Fi and the computer. I was explaining some very technical and very important things, uh, like having a Nintendo Switch on the, on the set to do, because uh, you can play with your crew, producers, uh, when you have time, and every, everyone is, is cool. And I've done that I've done, uh, many times, many, many times. How funny. I love the fact that we... Uh left the technical discussion in the hands of Stefan here. I'm sure you did your best there. <laughs> yeah, we had, we had so much discussion about camera. And, uh, I, I used to call, I used to call, can I say, I used to call you Mr. Bloom when you contact me about a technical thing. Yeah. Of course you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that that happened behind my back when I wasn't here. No, no, I used to call you Mr. Bloom. Because oh, we, you did it to my face for sure. But I love that that happened whilst I was no. sorting out the internet connection. <laughs> yeah, because you you were back in the days, maybe five years ago, you were so worried, and it's not worried. You were very professional in in terms of technical things, and it, yeah. it's it's very important to know your camera, to know exactly how it works, to know um, every tool you you will use to make the film beautiful. To make a beautiful film, okay, and I, I could I totally understand and respect that, respect that. But try, try to follow a little bit your emotion a little bit. So don't be focused on your six K raw footage always. Don't be focused on the, on the perfect shot. Sometimes the perfect shot is the shot that you think you can you 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 missed it, and it's the most beautiful one. Maybe maybe you try to have the perfect angle and perfect stable shot and this the next shot it will be it will move a little bit and this shot will add much more in terms of i don't know dynamic mm-hmm. for the for the edits so keep uh, stay open just be open yeah i mean to be fair i'm glad that you put it out there i didn't have to ask you about it but certainly Certainly understanding that there was a technical side of things and that I was so focused on it 
you were polite enough to call it professional, but ultimately it was just kind of a bit too distracted by the technical side of things. It is important in so many regards, but understanding when it's important and why it's important is the bit. Not always, and it's and like you said, it's sometimes the you know the charm is in finding the shot that you didn't necessarily get perfect because it's it finds something else in it that isn't technically perfect. You can have there is so much camera right there between Red, Alexa, Ursa Mini Pro, uh, S1, Sony, Canon, um, the Black Magic. Okay, try to find the camera that correspond to your shoot specific shoot. Okay, don't, don't there is no perfect tool. There is not perfect. There is but there is the tool that is perfect for you. The way you film, the way you work, that's it. When once you 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 found that it's it's very easy to shoot with the Ari Alexa and anamorphic lens in the same way on a very small run and gun setup than your S1H. It's super easy, okay? Or your S7S2 or 3, I don't know. Um you just have to find the right way. Exactly. That's it. The ultimate point is just finding a tool that works for you. And as long as you're intelligent and diligent about that decision, whoever is watching what you do is going to understand that you thought about it at some point. You know, we think about it all the time, but certainly at the beginning part of the process. And of course, that, that needs to be reminded that so many people need to think about what, at what level they're at as well in terms of like what they're trying to achieve like personal projects, these sorts of things. Like you said, your iPhone, great work. You know, throwing that around, you can get some amazing things going on. And it's interesting to have those conversations with you. Obviously, both of us have a very unorthodox, unorthodox style in that regard. But certainly from your perspective, I love the fact that we were able to have the conversation about just understanding that side of it. It's like, it doesn't really matter. It matters sometimes. And there will be times when you are required to meet some kind of resolution or whatever it might be because of maybe a standard that someone is imparting on you, but it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is simply getting out there, making the film, finding the story in it, making sure that it resonates with you and you feel something and you are able to communicate that to the audience, the people that you're making the film for, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you're making the film for yourself or for the audience, you know, depends what resonates with you. But is there anything else you would like to talk about whilst we're here, Stefan? You have our undivided attention. The audience is yours for right now. Um, I would say that um, we we are in a very difficult and very good period right now. And uh, the thing is, people like us working in, uh, in commercial in film industry. Okay, I think more than ever we have to be united together for the coming project that's very 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 important and we are we are very lucky to know or to create emotion and positive and good vibes we can share with everyone so let's do it for the next and coming project let's work together unite and give a lot of good vibes to everyone with and the tools we have and the small story we want to tell that's it Stay positive a lot and nothing. spread hope. That's it. Yeah, nothing more. Well, Stefan, I'll say it once, but I'll say it again. Thank you very much for time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. What is episode two? Still rolling. Brought to you by CVP. The wonderful people that have uh, given us the opportunity to present this stuff to the audience. So hopefully, people have got some value from talking about. 
please do interact, get in touch with us via the YouTube channel, or anything. Feel free to uh, follow up. Um, coming weeks, we've got weekly start now. We'll be on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. And we're going to be looking at all kinds of people at different points, certain different levels. So hopefully going to develop a bit of a understanding of what different people do, what brings them motivation, and what they love about what they do in like colorist, sound record, all these different people across the film because collaborative process. So we're going to look at all these kinds as we move on through coming. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, sure. Check out the Common Room website so that you can see what else is going. Seminars, more podcasts. Murray's a regular slot now as well. He's doing more interesting stuff. People from companies, I believe. Um, but by all means, come back next. We've got. But thank you very much, Stefan. And uh, thank, thank you. That's it for episode two. Thanks for tuning in. Unknowingly, the internet glitched us up and got in the way of the experience at the end there, so I can only apologise for that, but I'm not in control of the internet. We are, however, working on the tech side, though, so we're continuing to improve things on a weekly basis and we're figuring out all the gremlins. I hope you enjoyed the experience, and if you didn't, well, what are you doing here? Go and do something else with your life. I mean, go and have some fun. Come on. If you did enjoy it, however, be sure to do the damn thing. Like and subscribe. We're back weekly on CVP's YouTube channel. That's Charlie Victor Papa. And shortly after, right here on whatever your chosen podcast platform is. If you've got any suggestions, feel free to jump on live and have a chat with us. We're fully interactive. Well, not fully. Some weeks we're live. Some weeks we're pre-recorded, but we'll still be there answering your questions. So feel free to jump on. Ask us whatever you like. We'll definitely get around to answering your questions when we're done getting sidetracked by our own nonsense. If you feel the need to hit me up, it's Josh Allen Director on Instagram or Josh Allen Filmmaker on Facebook. Until next time, thank you very much for tuning in.